peace with honor. Why and how did the Americans leave Vietnam? I have asked for this radio and television time tonight for the purpose of announcing that we today have concluded an agreement to end the war and bring peace with honor in Vietnam and in Southeast Asia. You just heard the voice of President Richard Nixon announcing the end of the war in Vietnam to the American people. But it wasn't as simple as just finishing. There were no celebrations in the streets. There were no parties. There was no reenactment of the joy that you saw at the end of the Second World War. Indeed, the end of Vietnam left a scar on the American psyche that's been there ever since. You see it picked at in films and television, and you see it coming through in American foreign policy again. A lot of people looked at the invasion of Iraq in 2003 and they, they drew parallels with what had happened in Vietnam again. It's still there. It's still an important part of American discourse about who they are and what they're doing. So why did they leave? This is the second of two podcasts about why America left Vietnam. I recommend that you listen to the first one, Apocalypse Now, before you listen to this one. I would also thoroughly recommend that you listen to the discussion between myself and my learned colleague about the different tactics used by the Americans and by the Viet Cong to help build up your sense of what's going on in the wider picture in Vietnam. So where are we? In 1965 to 1967, the American government has a few problems in Vietnam which were outlined in the previous podcast. But overall, the official position is that they're winning the war. Everything is going fine. Yes, it's a long, hard slog. But it's a battle of attrition, and the enemy are being worn down, and they will be defeated. But by 1968... The government is convinced that the war is not winnable. It's over in any meaningful sense. And they're just looking for a way out. So what happened? Well, the key event that you need to get your head around is the Tet Offensive. Tet is the Vietnamese New Year. And in 1968 the New Year celebrations were used as a signal by the North Vietnamese Army and by the Viet Cong to launch a massive military operation against the South. Over a hundred cities and military installations find themselves under attack, including the U.S. Embassy in Saigon, the capital city of South Vietnam. U.S. Marines have to go in and clear out VC troops from the embassy room by room by room. About four and a half thousand Viet Cong hold down American troops in Saigon for two days. Now, this sounds pretty impressive, but you do have to remember that it is a catastrophe for the North Vietnamese Army and for the Viet Cong. Militarily, it's horrific. They lose over 10,000 experienced fighters. It's a disaster. But politically, it's not. Politically, it is a triumph. Because of what it says about the Americans. 
and how it makes the Americans look, and perhaps, more importantly, how it makes the Americans feel. You see, it goes like this. The USA has over half a million men in Vietnam. They are spending $20 billion a year on this war, and yet they can still be taken by surprise. And yet, their embassy, in theory, the most heavily guarded and heavily fortified part of their operation in Vietnam. In fact, of course, like all embassies, it's actually American territory. It's part of the country of America. Even that embassy can be attacked and invaded by the Vietnamese. And that causes questions to be asked. That causes questions to be asked by the government, and it causes questions to be asked by the military. If they are not able to be ready for something like this, what are they doing there? What are they spending all these men and all this money on? Secondly, it's an embarrassment internationally for the exact reasons I've just outlined. The world's biggest superpower is not able to secure its own embassy against an insurrectionist force from North Vietnam. And this is also picked up at home by the media. Now, as we've already discussed in the previous podcast, in the first phase of the war, by 1965 to 1967, media reporting, although unrestricted, is largely favourable towards the war effort. 1968 is where the tone starts to change, and the key thing that changes the tone of the media coverage of the war is the Tet Offensive. Walter Cronkite, who we've already spoken about, goes out during the Tet Offensive and he records a report which he sends back to America. And as part of this report, the quote that is attributed to Walter Cronkite out there in Vietnam is this. What the hell is happening? I thought we were winning this war. Dan Oberdorfer, a journalist for the Washington Post, wrote in 1971 that the American people and most of their leaders reached the conclusion that the Vietnam War would require greater effort over a far longer period than it was worth. And it's very difficult to argue with that. But that gives you a taste of the kind of things that are being reported in the media and the kind of things that are either forming public opinion or reflecting public opinion. In any case, the Tet Offensive marks a turning point. This brings home to the government, and especially to the President, Lyndon Johnson, LBJ, that the war is more or less unwinnable. So, now, what does he do? Well, it becomes now a question of disentangling yourself from Vietnam, if you can, without looking like you've lost. He orders the start of talks with the North Vietnamese, so in March 1968, peace talks begin in Paris. LBJ also announces at this point that he will not be seeking re-election. This, more than anything else, is an admission of failure. He is so identified with the war in Vietnam that he is basically admitting that he cannot win re-election and that if he was to try to do so, it would bring defeat on his party, the Democrats. And indeed, in the election, the Republican candidate wins, which we'll come back to in a minute. But the key thing you need to understand about the Tet Offensive is that after the Tet Offensive, the question changes. In 1965, 
to 67, the question was, how can the USA win the war in Vietnam? Now, after 1968 and the Tet Offensive, the question is, how can the USA get out of Vietnam without looking like it has been beaten? And that requires somebody else to come in and try and find the answer. And the person who has to come in and try and find the answer is the new president, elected in 1968, Richard Milhouse Nixon, known as Tricky Dick and having the unique honour of being the only president of the United States ever to be forced to resign in disgrace. But we'll get there. So from 1969 to 73, Nixon and his national security advisor, Dr. Henry Kissinger, spend all of their efforts to try and find a way to bring the war to an end, but more importantly to balance their need to exit Vietnam with the needs of containment, and again trying to shut down the expansion of communism in Southeast Asia. Remember the idea of containment, remember the idea of the domino theory. In order to do this, they use a number of different strategies. The first is obvious, peace negotiations. They continue the peace negotiations in Paris, largely conducted by Dr. Kissinger and Lee Doc Tho, the North Vietnamese foreign minister. The next element is Vietnamization. Rather than it being a war fought by American troops in Vietnam, Nixon's policy is that it should be a war fought by Vietnamese troops in Vietnam. And so they start shifting the military responsibilities onto the Vietnamese army and training them up ready for it and withdrawing American troops. Next, he uses his abilities as president in the terms of foreign policy by putting pressure on the USSR and China. Now remember, the reason that America has never been able to simply invade North Vietnam is because they have been supported by... Russia and China, and America is not willing to risk a war. So by putting pressure on the USSR and China to put pressure on Vietnam, he's hoping that Vietnam will be forced to negotiate in good faith and find a way out of the war. Now why is this possible now when it wasn't possible before? In 1969, Communist China and Communist Russia have a major falling out. Indeed, for a time during that period, it looks like they might actually go to war with each other. Either way, they are no longer now presenting a united front. And it is into that crack that Nixon drives a wedge. And he does it in two ways. Firstly, he is involved with Russia in SALT talks. These are strategic arms limitation talks, talks which are designed to reduce the nuclear arsenal of the two superpowers to the point where it is less likely that they will incinerate each other. As Nixon is negotiating on these matters with the USSR, he kind of attaches to it and makes clear his desire for the USSR to have a word with North Vietnam. At the same time, Nixon has also opened up negotiations with China on a number of issues, largely around trade. And in 1972, Nixon goes to China, and as part of his negotiations and discussions over there, again, he makes it clear that he would be very grateful if they were to put some pressure on Vietnam. And the key thing here is that because 
both the USSR and China want the friendship of the USA. Neither of them wants it to be the other person who can say, yeah, we talked to North Vietnam and everything's all right. So they both start putting pressure onto North Vietnam. Fourthly, and probably most controversially, Nixon continues with military expansion of the war. The bombing raids on North Vietnam are intensified. This is to signal that they are not going to go quietly, nor are they simply going to give up. And these continuing attempts to degrade the ability of the North Vietnamese to fight the war is designed to push them towards the negotiating table. But that's not all he does. Remember, one of the problems that the Americans have had in prosecuting the war is the attitude of the neighbors of Vietnam, Cambodia and Laos. The fact that Vietnamese troops have been able to pass with impunity into those other countries and stay out of reach of the American troops. Nixon invades Cambodia. He sends troops in to attack the VC training camps. This is horrifically controversial in America. It is seen as widening the war. It is seen as prolonging the war. However, as a tactic to drive the Vietnamese to the negotiating table, it's very clever because it now suggests that America is willing to pursue the war quite vigorously and quite determinedly in a way they weren't before. So you've basically got a balance of outside pressure from the USSR and China military pressure from the USA bombing and expanding the war into Cambodia as needed and also Vietnamization providing a cover for the Americans to come out because they can say that they have set up South Vietnam as a country to stand on its own two feet and these tactics between them work in 1972, there is a major North Vietnamese army offensive launched against the South. But due to degradation of their ability to conduct these kind of operations due to the bombing and due to military support by the Americans in the South, they are unable to take the South. And that's really their last gasp. In January 1973, a peace agreement is signed in Paris and Nixon makes the public announcement that you heard at the beginning of the podcast. On the 29th of March, 1973, the last American troops left Vietnam. Nixon claimed it was peace with honor. Was it? Well, no, not really. Nixon promised financial and military aid to South Vietnam, but Congress wouldn't allow it. In 1974, Nixon is forced to resign in disgrace due to the Watergate scandal, one step before he's impeached and charged with criminal offences by the Senate. That's an entirely different but very, very interesting story. His successor, Gerald Ford, again tries to get some support for South Vietnam through Congress, but Congress won't touch it with a barge pole. The reason being, the South Vietnamese government does not have the support of its populace exactly where we were in the 1950s again. And so Congress does not want to be responsible for propping up a corrupt and unpopular government. So without outside support, and without the support of their own people, South Vietnam simply cannot survive. And indeed, in December 1974, the North Vietnamese army launched an attack. In April 1975, 
Saigon, the capital city of South Vietnam, falls. The image of Vietnamese men, women and children trying to climb aboard the last American chopper leaving the American embassy in Saigon becomes emblematic of the Americans' failure to do what they set out to do in Vietnam. And it becomes an embarrassment. So there you have it. By March 1973, American troops are out. By December 1974, Vietnam falls. Nixon's claim of peace with honor is proven to be incorrect at best and outright lie at worst. So why did it happen? Well, that's where you need to listen to the three main podcasts we've done on Vietnam. You need to think about the tactics that were used by the Americans. Did they ever really have a chance of winning the war? Did they even know what a win would look like? Then you need to have a look at the problems that America faced in the war. Were they able to overcome those? Was it ever likely that they had the drive and the will and the military ability to do what they set out to do? And then finally, you think about the Tet Offensive and you think about the moment when they realized that the war was unwinnable. Put all of that together and you should be in a position to answer any questions about why the Americans lost Vietnam and how and why they left. Thank you very much for listening and good luck in your exams.